Content warning. Mentions of drugs and violence. Hello and welcome to the Billy Shears Club. I'm your host, Caleb Clark, and with me today we have Nate Guy. Uh, Nate, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Today we got two lovely albums for you folks. We got The Human Condition by John Bellion and Devil's Tale by Adrian Rosso and Fanfare Chio Carlia, which I'm probably mispronouncing, but I'm going to do my best. <laughs> Uh, Nate, why don't you take us away with a little bit on John Billion? Sure. Um, so I did a little bit of research beforehand, um, and what I found out is that John Bellion is originally from New York. He was born in 1990, so he's 30 years old right now. Um, he got interested and decided to focus on music as a junior in high school. Um, that was kind of where his career started. Out of high school, he went to a music program at a private college, but dropped out when he was 18 um, to start working more professionally and working on writing lyrics. Um, in my research, I found out that he actually wrote a bunch of the lyrics um, for songs that I really enjoy listening to that I, I didn't know he was a part of. So he wrote the chorus of the song Monster that Eminem and Rihanna sing together. Um, he co-wrote Trumpets with Jason Derulo. Uh, so that I thought that was interesting. Um, he has released three mixtapes. The first was called Translations Through Speakers. The next was The Separation. Um, and then he released The Definition. Um, so he released those mixtapes. And then The Human Condition was actually his debut studio album. And that was released uh, in 2016, in June of 2016. Um, since then, he's released uh, another studio album. Um, uh, that one, oh, I can't remember what that one is called. Something Sound Prep. Um, I'm not as familiar with that one. I haven't listened to the songs on that one. Um, so a little bit more about the uh, Human Condition album. Um, the album itself and then each song has um, a piece of art that goes with it. Um, and if you're listening and you want to Google these right now, I think that would be great because they're really interesting pieces to look at. Um, and uh, he worked with this artist from Indonesia to create these art pieces. Um, and John has talked about how they're meant to be, uh, to get the attention of like Disney Pixar. They kind of look like scenes from a Disney Pixar movie. Um, and that's because John wants to eventually score a film for Disney Pixar. That's one of his dreams. Um, and so part of, the, part of this album was kind of a, like a, almost like a resume um, for Disney Pixar, which I thought was a cool aspect of it. Um, some notable features of the album, there's a lot of use of um, John's voice and uh, sound effects he makes with his voice. Um, so there's a decent amount of more of like a kind of a talking aspect to it, but also there's a lot of sounds of breathing, sounds of breathlessness, um, kind of like beatboxy. Um, so that's a pretty common feature in a lot of the songs on this album. Um, another thing that I think is important to know about this album is that it's meant to be listened to um, as a complete unit, um, which is one of the things that kind of drew me to it in the first place. Um, it starts and stops with this kind of beeping sound, almost like a recording is starting. Um, the whole album does, I mean. And then a lot of the songs have similar themes, um, both in terms of lyrics and um, their, their music. Um, and then the, the last song in the album kind of incorporates a lot of features from other songs in the album. And so it's meant to be listened to kind of all the way through one time, um, sort of like a throwback to when albums came out on vinyl and you would just kind of let it play. Uh, and that's, I think, kind of different than how we look at albums today most of the time where an album is kind of like a collection of, of singles, of hit singles, and then there's other sounds on it, other songs on it that we kind of just, you know, skip over, or maybe don't pay as much attention to. Um, so I really like that aspect of this album. Um, and then since then, um, since the release of this album, John, yeah, so he released that second album, Glory Sound Prep is the name of it, I remember now. Um, and he has started his own record label, and that happened in 2019. Um, but that's just a little bit of history of, of John and uh, this album. Cool. Neat history. Didn't know that about... I, I noticed some 
the of the vocal bits, but I didn't know like the full depth of them or like the art pieces for every single song. That's pretty. That's really cool. yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I guess time to talk. The album itself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you want to do like track by track or favorite song? I guess since it's like a unit. Oh, yeah. Like... Do you want me? I can talk about my favorite tracks right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go back and forth on the favorite tracks. Yeah, that'd be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what What's your favorite? So for me, I well, I should I should talk about how I kind of discovered um, <laughs> this album. So um, when it came out. I didn't, I didn't listen to John Bellion really when this album came out. Um, and I remember being home. I, I discovered it much later. And I remember being mm-hmm. home from college and my sister was outside. My younger sister was outside working on some kind of project in our garage. Um, yeah. And I went out there and she was listening to music and this was the album she was listening to. Um, and she was talking to one of her friends on the phone and talking about how um, like it was very cohesive as an album and how she really liked that. And I was like, huh, interesting. So I was kind of listening to some of these songs. Um, and I was like, oh, this is kind of good. Um, and then like much even later than that, I finally had a chance to like sit down and listen to them all. And I was like, oh, this is really nice. This is, it was the first time I'd ever like encountered a piece of an album that was meant to be listened all the way through like that, you know? Um, so I thought that was that was really different and interesting for me because I'm not the kind of person who generally sits down and listens to an entire album. Um, so my favorite song has changed a lot um, over time because I uh, I discovered this kind of a while ago. Um, so I think initially I really liked '80s films, um, and that one I think I just kind of liked the chill vibe of it. It's easy to sing along to. Um, and I think it's just got, the lyrics are just kind of fun, you know, so I like that one. Um, I also like Morning in America just because it's pretty angsty, um, and it's, it's a fun, it's one of those songs that's got like a pretty upbeat kind of musical theme, but then the lyrics are pretty, um, pretty grim, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I, I like that juxtaposition in music. Yeah. Um, a lot yeah. of songs that I like kind of have that sort of aspect to them. Um, yeah. More recently, I would say I really like He Is The Same. Um, <laughs> and I like that because of the kind of Christian overtones in it. Um, and maybe we can talk a little bit more about that later in the show. Yeah. Um, but that's one of the reasons I like that one. And then I've also like um, fashion and weight of the world. Those are probably my top three currently. Um, fashion because of the the message, I think, and um, like the commentary on kind of materialistic culture and capitalism in America. Um, and then weight of the world really just because I like the way it sounds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's some good picks in there. Uh, as far as like my favorites, I would definitely agree that uh, Morning in America and 80s film are up there for pretty similar reasons. Like how the mm-hmm. 80s film is just this really nice nostalgic movie. And very much like it says in the song, it's like just, it sounds like the end of an 80s movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very nice and pretty. Has a cool guitar solo at the end, so that was nice. And yeah. Also, really liked Morning in America because it's the whole lyrics about a affluent neighborhood and community that seems to be, you know, doing really well, but it's crumbling inside under, like, mm-hmm. trying kids trying too hard and getting on all these different drugs. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's see. I'd say as far as other songs I really liked, uh, maybe I don't know, or as he says, maybe IDK because he's a millennial. Uh, I would say that was pretty far <laughs> up there. That was a good one for like, it's just, you know, a nice little sort of, you know what? I don't have the answer to everything, but I can trust in God. Like you mentioned before, Christian themes, we can talk about them in death later. I'd also probably say, what was the other one? Uh, New York part oh. two. I like that one. Most, I think it's weird in context of the album, 
but like on its own, I really like it because it's just got a good beat and he's actually a surprisingly decent rapper. I actually prefer his rapping to his singing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other one is probably Hand of God just for the the choral medley at in at the end oh, because yeah. I'm a, I'm a sucker. I'm just like, yay! They're doing melodies I heard before. Yeah. I am very smart. <laughs> right. So I I think it's interesting that you bring up New York Soul Part Two because I would say that is my least favorite song really? in the album. Partly because kind of like what you said, I don't think it fits in as well with the rest yeah. of the songs. Um, <laughs> And I don't love his rapping as much uh, as his choral stuff. I like a lot more of the more kind of lyrical, melodious kind of things mm-hmm. going on. Um, but but I, could, I can see why, why other people mm-hmm. would like it. And then I like, I just kind of leave Hand of God out of my top because yeah. it's, I feel like, like for me, it's so good. Like if, when you listen to the album all the way through, it's such a good finale that I feel yeah. like it's, on its own like it's in a class of its own and i feel like it's unfair to like for me to compare it to the rest of the songs in the album because it's like so much what it makes me feel is so much higher than what the other songs make me feel just because it does like combine and it's such a culmination of so many things you know gosh i see you you know you bring that up it's it's funny actually sort of similar thing you said the new york i would actually probably also say Passion was a little bit low down on my list, mm. honestly. Maybe I think it's just because, like, I do appreciate the, you know, the message on materialism. It's just that, like, it's the very emotional, like, piano ballad. But it's mm-hmm. like, it felt, but he was trying to do, like, the hip hop lingo and stuff. Mm. And I felt like that was sort of a thing that I noticed throughout the album, honestly. Like, there's attempts at, like, using slang and stuff, like, especially, like, uh, he is the same in a few other places uh, where, I don't know, I don't know his personal life, I don't know much about him as a person, but, like, just with the sound and the image that he presents on the album, it didn't really connect. I will say the, mm. the beat on the outro was cool, like that very, the very cold mechanical beat with someone who keeps saying might be gold, but that is still a chain, which was mm-hmm. that line has been used before in better context, but it's still, it's still <laughs> a decent line. Like J Cole uh-huh. used, Oh gosh. LL Cool J used it in accidentally racist already. <laughs> yeah. 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 Fashion definitely had to grow on me because mm. that was also one of my least favorites when I first listened to the album and I was like, Oh, eh. you know, it's just not as like, peppy as a lot of the other songs but yeah i was surprised that i started enjoying it actually after a while so well well, considering that i started this with like uh, the same favorites as you did maybe it'll grow on me too i don't know we'll see Mm -hmm. we'll see yeah let's see i don't know i would say one thing that about this album to me personally maybe this is because like i'm I'm a big nerd, but like you had mentioned the <laughs> cohesiveness. I can definitely mm-hmm. see that on like, there's definitely, you know, the similar themes that he's building on with this album. He's talking about, you know, innocence and its loss. He's talking about love. He's talking about materialism. He's talking about trust. He's talking about God's place in your life and all these. It's got these very recurring themes and they sort of weave together, but also I just personally got distracted because the, the way that he arranges the album is, to me at least, very just sort of herky-jerky, I felt. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me explain. It's like the track sequencing, like the order in which he puts everything. Kept sort of like, for the first half, kept like taking these different directions. Like with the, starts off with He is the Same, an 80s film. And I thought like, okay, this is going to be, you know, about nostalgia, losing your innocence, that sort of thing. And then Low comes in and, and it's like, okay, but it's going to show that it's like, you know, sort of slowly destroying him inside. But then we get New York Soul Part 2 and fashion. It's going to be like, okay, we're doing materialism now and hip-hop <laughs> stuff. And then it goes to Maybe I Don't Know, which I thought was like, that should have been like the second to last song, but it shows up in the middle for some reason. Mm. And then like, it it just, I don't know. Like, I like the theme. I like the themes. I like the lyrics from time to time. Again, the 
the hip hop lingo sometimes could get stretched and sometimes he tries to put in a punchline like the one thing about I think it was what's the one song where he says you look let me get the actual song where was it yeah overwhelming the one where he says like something about it you look so good like you came from a test tube yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like despite the I like the heart of it, but like those weird lyrical moments and also just the general weird ordering I personally felt threw me off a lot of times. Mm -hmm. That would be one of my big comments. I don't, I don't know. How do you, how did you feel? Yeah. I think, no, I think you have a really, you bring up a really good point about the order. And I definitely do see that maybe IDK would make like a good second to last song right before yeah. Hand of God, right before the outro. Yeah. Um, and I think now that I've, because uh, when I listen to these songs, I mostly mm. listen to them all the way through in the order of the album. Mm. And now that I've done that so many times, I feel like it, yeah. like it makes sense to me. But yeah. coming at it from like, like trying to see your perspective and coming at it from like, okay, but does this mm. make sense thematically? I definitely see what yeah. you're saying. And like, it is, I think he, this kind of touches on another thing I feel about the album, which yeah. is, I don't think, I mean, it's not like the most subtle thing in the entire yeah. world. <laughs> and he's yeah. definitely dealing with like topics that have a lot of nuance to them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like nostalgia and materialism mm -hmm. and relationships, um, mm -hmm. you know, all these things. And it's not like, I wouldn't call this a nuanced treatment of those <laughs> topics. Yeah. Um, and so I think um, this connected to the, the ordering. And, oh, it kind mm. of, um, he kind of is very quick to like pull in something yeah. and then, you know, sing about it for a little bit, but then just kind yeah. of let it go, you know? Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that I want to acknowledge that, I, that that is not, mm. that's a weakness in the album. Mm. Um, and for me, because I'm a relatively vapid, superficial person. Oh, don't say those things about yourself. I... You get back here. <laughs> but that, like, it doesn't bother me as much because I'm like, oh, I'm not really listening to this album for, like, you know, the meaning yeah. of life or to, like, you know, yeah. to really like think about these these topics i appreciate that he's like singing about things that are important as opposed to yeah. you know a lot of modern pop which maybe sings about things that are yeah. you know less less important or less um less big questions i guess but yeah. um but i acknowledge that like it's not i don't think he's really necessarily doing anything super profound or like what i said like it's not really a nuanced treatment um yeah. and so i can like yeah, I, I see how the order, I think the order is like part of that, like yeah. the way that he is not super nuanced. I think the order reflects mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, I think it is a weakness of the album for sure. Yeah. I, I don't know, on the, like a nuance, like, I mean, personally for me, it depends with, if you're on nuance, it's like, that's, it's okay if you are or if you're not. Like it's mm -hmm. more, can you emotionally connect when you right. say these things where it's like very blunt. And I would say on a couple, a couple songs, not the, like, this is, I think a lot of this comes from me being a nerd with the, <laughs> and so, and like, I just, you know, I go in defensive critic mode and I have to overanalyze anything. That's why I have the show. But I think, I think like sometimes he did honestly, like, like I mentioned before with the songs like Maybe I Don't Know and Morning in America, he did honestly connect with me. I think mm -hmm. like those moments really I could appreciate. I could appreciate. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I think I agree with you. And I think that's what, I think that's maybe what I was trying to say yeah. about how I can still like enjoy the album and still like get mm -hmm. into it while also mm -hmm. acknowledging that it's not the most nuanced treatment of these yeah. topics because I can't, I can still connect to it emotionally. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad, I'm glad that you were able to put that into words. That was yeah. good. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, and I mean, let's let's be real. There's some great music out there that has no nuance. See most of the Vietnam War protest music. <laughs> uh, fight the power by public enemy. That's not subtle. That's just saying we got to fight the power that be. It's like it still works because it, right. it connects. <laughs> and I think actually this might be a good time to bring up the the Christian overtones yeah. um, because. I think the first time I listened to it, because I wasn't <laughs> expecting the Christian overtones, um, mm-hmm. because I think of this as like popular music, um, mm-hmm. I didn't see them necessarily. And at first, I thought that those were like pretty subtle. But then mm-hmm. the more I listened to it, I was like, "No, it's pretty." I mean, the last song is called mm-hmm. "Hand of God." Like, it's pretty. Yeah. It's pretty clear. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the thing that I appreciate about it. Um, and this is something that I've noticed in a couple other bands too. 21 Pilots, I think, does this. And I think AJR does this as well. Um, they bring up Christianity in their music and like the idea of God. But there's also a lot more in their music. Um, and it's kind of refreshing because I feel like when you think of like other songs that or, you know, talk about God. I think of, like, contemporary Christian music. And that is, like, mostly worship music that is focused on God and Christianity, which is great. And I think that there's a place for that, you know. Um, But I also think that, like, if you're a Christian music writer and that's your job, that's, like, the world that you're living in, um, and that is a very different world than, I think, what most people and most Christians live in like I think most people who are Christian also have like you know a job that they go to that they make you know is kind of a secular thing like they just have a lot of like they live in a very secular kind of culture and world um and that can be hard to like reconcile sometimes and so I like music where you know he has this song called he is the same and in the beginning when you first hear the song, it's like he's talking about himself, like nothing has changed and he's still the same person despite all this fame and despite, um, you know, how his music career has, has kind of taken off. But then when it comes back in the, in the Hand of God outro, it's like referring to the fact that God is the same and that God doesn't change and he's always there as like this rock. Um, yeah. And so there's this kind of like blending of, like he sings about his personal life and like kind of secular things. And then every once in a while, he'll bring in like a little thread of God or a thread of Christianity or whatever it is. Um, and I like that he, it's almost like he's applying his Christian values to his life through his music. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I, I personally am a Christian, so that, that like, I think touches me emotionally and helps and relates to me personally. Um, yeah. And I think that in some ways is like more impactful on me than a lot of contemporary Christian music is because mm-hmm. it feels more real, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I like how like he is the same and then it goes right into eighties films, yeah. um, which is definitely not like, like talks about a lot of things that you would not hear, I think in a lot of contemporary Christian music, you yeah. know? <laughs> and I, I love that. I think that like, it's very, it's very real. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that's the, that's the thing that I really like about the Christian overtones is that that's what they are. They're overtones. They're not, yeah. I wouldn't say that they're the focus, except mm-hmm. maybe in the last finale yeah. song. Um, yeah. But even there, he's kind of referencing all the songs that came before. So everything mm-hmm. is still there too. All mm-hmm. the other themes and all that he's talked about is still like present with it. Um, yeah. And I like that blending. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely a nice, I think. Yeah, I definitely did appreciate it. Like gave sort of that meaning to the things that he talks about in the album. And I did definitely appreciate that. I think they don't, don't really have too much that on that particular front. I, I would probably go ahead and take this opportunity to apologize for some previous episodes. There were a couple albums that did have some like Christian overtones, uh, specifically uh, Good Kid, Mad City, 
and mm-hmm. by Kendrick Lamar and The Old Prince by Shad. And I feel like in retrospect, I was probably a little bit dismissive there, but like having gone more through, I think, I think I would like to take like just one second and be like, sorry, I like you guys. I was probably mean to you about that part, but you guys are cool. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, let's see. Overall things. Yeah, the big things. Uh, I don't know. As far as other big notes I have, uh, I don't know. Other main trend I noticed in the album was that his drums seem to be pretty wonky and kind of offbeat, which mm-hmm. I felt didn't really work in this context because that's because like. Let's face it, he's a very good composer and he can make a lot of good earworms. And mm-hmm. honestly, sometimes it's a, little, it's a little not quite to my taste, but that's another thing entirely. But like the drum style that he uses, where it's like very little. Whereas that's much more of a Shay Della, neo soul, jazz, hip hop type thing. And I feel, I feel uh-huh. like those clash because the, like the, you know, the instrument, non percussive side was much more straightforward, polished pop. And this was. Just needed a bit more groove to go with it. Uh, mm. As far as individual songs, individual songs. Yeah, uh, low. That was one. Of, I think that was the first one I heard at any of because I saw it in like another video. It's sort mm-hmm. of a critique of nice guy mentality, you know. It's sort of the. It was, I was kind of mad on it, and also like he references uh, prototype by uh, Outcast. Which was like, okay, didn't entirely expect that. And also, it was a weird context because the song prototype is about, it goes, I hope that you're the one, but if not, you are the prototype, where it's Andre 3000. And once again, because he took his breakup with Eric Kadadu pretty badly, going, like, I hope the woman I end up spending the rest of my life with is someone like you if I'm not going to be able to stay with you. But in this song, he mm-hmm. says that he, John Bellion, is the prototype, which was like, that's weird. That's suspicious. <laughs> uh, <coughs> uh, woke the F up. Uh, that was that was a bit underwhelming. Overwhelming. Mm-hmm. I, Underworld, over, <laughs> overwhelming, I thought had its charms. It was a little bit clunky, mm-hmm. but I felt it had its charms. But I also had the test tube baby line, and <laughs> the the bridge is the bridge, which by the way he is very good at making outros and bridges. Like those are some of my favorite parts to his songs. Like mm-hmm. the last minute or so, like I mentioned before, the guitar solo, the end of he is the same. It's a few other places, but like you write checks mm-hmm. that my posterior cannot cash. He says that like <laughs> four times, and it's like, huh. I think we get it. <laughs> <laughs> what does this even mean? What are you? What are they doing in the song? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I robot. That was a bit on the nose, but you know, it works. Mm-hmm. And then Keith, I feel like. Oh, sorry. I just. I feel like a lot of his songs are very on the nose. I think, like "Morning in America," I feel like, like, and mm. and. I mean, this goes back to what we were talking about before. Like, a song can be good, even if it's yeah. not necessarily nuanced. And I feel that way definitely about Morning in America. Like, it's very, <laughs> like, you know, obvious. He just lays yeah. it right out. But, yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, like, the only other one that I don't think we've touched on is Guillotine, which is, like, mm-hmm. why do you... Why is this the title and chorus of the song? This is a song about, like, you building up trust with your significant other, and he just keeps going... Even when I lose my head, guillotine, like it's 2011 <laughs> rap. <laughs> we, we are over hashtag raps. <laughs> I don't know. Did you have any other big... Um, yeah. Um, when you talked about how um, you like the bridges and the outros, I thought guillotine, I thought, <laughs> had a good um, bridge in it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if, if you thought that or not, but that was just one thing that kind of popped into my head there. Um, 
Oh, the you did it, yeah, 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 like that. That, that was cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, I feel like we didn't talk about the good in me, and I really, I really like that song. That song also, though, kind of has like an interesting, like kind of like guillotine, where he's singing about like a positive attribute of like this person he's in a relationship with, but then he like uses a metaphor of like. A knife, like the the lyric in that one is like like a knife in the woods. It's you, you hunt, you seek out the good in me. You hunt out the good in me. I can't remember what that verb is, um, but again, like it's yeah, kind of a weird. Yeah, it's like kind of a weird metaphor, <laughs> you know, like tonally, like that doesn't really make sense. Um, which that does kind of like bother me in that song a little bit because I'm like, what? Yeah. But I do like the. <laughs> I still like the song, like, despite yeah. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's interesting that he has two songs like that. I don't know what that means. Yeah. If maybe that's yeah. supposed to be him, like, like, okay, these are good relationships, but he is, like, a broken person, and so he perceives them as, like, these violent, you know, attributes, these guillotines yeah. and these knives or something. I don't yeah. know. I don't know what he's going for there, yeah. but... It's interesting that he's got two songs yeah. with that kind of a thing set up. Yeah. With Good and Me, I had to like double check the lyrics because I wasn't sure what was going on either with mm-hmm. all that. But it, at least this is my interpretation. It seemed to be like about how he was getting cheated on by his girlfriend and how this made him realize oh. that he, the relationship was making him go to a dark place. And oh. so like the, the hunting down the good in him is like the relationship destroying him inside. So it was a very, oh. it was a very dark one, but also it was like very ambiguous on whether, on like the girls' part in all this. So I, I don't know, but like, oh wow, yeah, yeah. See, because I didn't really look, I haven't listened to the other lyrics that closely, so mm-hmm. I totally had a completely different <laughs> interpretation of it, and now yeah. I have to go back and, and look at that a little closer and be like, wait a minute, <laughs> it's completely different than what I thought it was. Sequel, sequel, sequel. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, oh, oh, the other thing, um, I think looking at the artwork, because I'd seen mm-hmm. some of the artwork for this album, but I hadn't seen mm-hmm. all of it until mm-hmm. I was doing like the research for this um, yeah. podcast. Um, and looking at the artwork kind of changed uh, the way that I interpreted some of the music um specifically fashion i remember um the artwork for that one is john is at a fashion show appropriately and um Mm -hmm. there's a woman who's walking in front of him on the runway um and there's there's this woman is in a lot of the artwork um she's just like this unnamed woman um and um she's got on her you know fancy fashion show dress um, but then there's like a ghost of her that's um, like, it looks like she's like astral projecting almost, right? There's this ghost that's like superimposed on top of her and she's pulling, the ghost is pulling on this golden ball and chain. Um, and I thought that was, that I guess didn't necessarily change the way that I interpreted the song because I feel like it's pretty, pretty in line with what the song is about. Um, mm-hmm. But I just thought it was a really interesting visual representation of um kind of what was going on in the song thematically um so yeah i know again if if you're listening i definitely and you can i definitely recommend googling some of the artwork because it is fun to look at and i think it does really enhance the experience of the album yeah i'm I'm just looking at right now it's a it's on my phone so it's a little bit crunchy but it's looking pretty cool Mm -hmm. there's some yeah it's details it's a cool art style. Um, I yeah. also really like the, the artwork for The Good in Me, actually. And that's John and uh, his younger self. He also, John's younger self and his current self are like common motifs in all the artwork. Um, so both of them are in this one and they're, they're in the woods and they're hiding from this masked figure who I think is the woman that we see in a lot of the other artwork. I mean, she's got this terrifying, like, dragon mask on and this really curvy dagger with blood on it. And it looks really, it looks really intense. Um, that's one of my other favorites of the artwork. Mm-hmm. Take. 
Well, any last thoughts? Uh, ready to go for something a little more risque, but also yeah. instrumental? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm ready. Let's transition. All right. Welcome to our next album, Devil's Tale, by <laughs> Fanfare Chio, Chio Carlia and Adrian Rosso. So I came across this album. So it's, a first of all, collaboration between the two groups, between fanfare i'll just refer to them as fanfare since i can't pronounce the last part and mm-hmm. adrian so I'll, and i'm more familiar with fanfare by far so their basic story is uh they lived they're a group of guys from this tiny little village in the moldava region of uh, romania and it's like this all romantic group and they have where there's just this very traditional sort of wedding brass band so they play like you know old school eastern european party music basically and this mm-hmm. guy, and they were just living in this little tiny village and not, you know, living life. And this one guy comes along and stays and hears about them. And it's like, hey, you guys could be pretty cool. And so he like helps get them, you know, some touring in like Germany and whatnot. And they actually get pretty popular. And they like since the late 90s, they put out a string of albums, been performing and whatnot and doing pretty well. And uh, so the other guy, Adrian Rosso, he's a he's also Romani, but he's from Canada. And he's like, mm-hmm. a, he's a guitarist, very interested in like sort of rockabilly and Southern Gothic styles. So, and they ended up collaborating. I think from what the Wikipedia said, this is actually Fanfare's first collaboration with someone outside of Romania. And mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, they just teamed up and put together this album, which is much more of a Adrian Rosso. Like if you listen to Fanfare's other works, it's very much more upbeat, Eastern European brass all brass, yes, very big thumping sounds. It's very fun music, but it's like harder to listen to for a full album for me personally. But this is like mm-hmm. this very atmospheric sort of circus sound with like the combination of their brass. Due to a technical error, part of the original recording was lost. We resume our original recording here. And, and at the guitar same time, just... it felt very familiar to me. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't figure out like I was like have I heard music like this before like where what is this familiarity coming from and I was trying to remember and I remember like once in undergrad they brought in some flamenco dancers um and they did like a little flamenco um demonstration and I I think I remember them saying that flamenco is um highly influenced by Romani culture and music so I was like maybe maybe it's that and then I was trying mm-hmm. to think of like, like I was like the Hunchback of Notre Dame. <laughs> it was like yeah. the, the Esmeralda, right? I'm like the music yeah. that's associated with her. Like maybe is, is yeah. that what I'm thinking of? And then there are points where it kind of almost reminded me of like mariachi almost. <laughs> um, there was just like a lot. Yeah, I, I just, I was trying to place it. I was like, I don't know why it sounds familiar to me, but it does. Um, so that was kind of a, an interesting experience. Um, yeah, no, I did, I did really enjoy it. it. Made me want to dance. It was very fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good time. I, I think if it reminded me anything in particular, I guess, like, the one thing that stuck out of my mind is, like, a, one of Danny Elfman's scores for uh, Batman Returns. Oh. A, that movie, there's like, a, there's, like, a crime circus running around for the Penguin. And like some of the themes that he uses sounds a little bit like, because this is the very, you know, that very, some, or at least the first couple of tracks have that, you know, slow creaking quality to them. To the yeah. But yeah, yeah, definitely a lot of ones that would be really fun to dance to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting that you bring that up because that was another thing um, that I thought of too. <laughs> there are a lot of songs that sounded like almost haunting and spooky. <laughs> I noticed it at first. And I was yeah. listening to the um, spirit, spiritismo, spiritissimo. Yeah. Spiritissimo. I think I'm saying that right. Um, so. Probably because of the title. But yeah. then when I went through and I listened to it again, I was yeah. like, no, it's kind of there in a lot of them. Um, yeah. And it's interesting because a lot of the songs are like very upbeat and dancey, but they yeah. still have like a haunting aspect to them, which seems like it would be impossible yeah. to do this both at the same time. But I think they do. So, 
Yeah, they definitely get a really cool ambiance going. I mean, there's there's just a lot of bangers on this album. Yeah. Um, like a. What were your favorites? Like, yeah. So I, um, I really liked the absent-minded, um, and I think that's because you listen to the first two songs on the album, and they're <laughs> like pretty fast, pretty upbeat, pretty exciting. And then you get to the absent-minded, and it's got this like slow. I would say like bluesiness. I don't know if no, that's definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's like got that aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I, I at one point I, when I was listening to the album, I, I realized I was like, it feels like there's kind of like two different kinds of songs in this. There's like faster ones, which makes me want to Charleston, and like they're very jumpy and they're jaunty, and they make you want to like just like let loose and dance. And then there are slower ones that kind of have like, like they reminded me of tango almost, where there's this like kind of tension, like almost haughty, and they make you want to be like more refined and kind of like fancy almost. Um, I struggle to describe the music because I feel like it really defies description. Um, yeah. But I felt like there were the, there was like two different like varieties almost in the album. And then I listened mm-hmm. to, and then the next song that came on was the Lazard's Lament. And I was like, oh no, just uh, kidding. That's not true. So, Cause that would not <laughs> fit into any of those categories. Yeah. Um, but, so I really like that, the slowness though, that, that kind mm-hmm. of variety, um, that flavor of the absent-minded gypsy and that was the first song in the album to do that so i really i was like mm. um i also really liked say la vie um because that song came on and i was listening to it in my car um and i was like oh like this is one of the jaunty ones but this is like a really jaunty jaunty one like, this is a really good one um and then i looked at the title and i was like of course it's called say la vie that's hilarious i love it so i feel like the title fit the mood of the song very well um, mm-hmm. And again, that one made me want to Charleston. So, yeah. <laughs> very good. Um, those two, and then I think my third favorite. Mm, I think I, I really like Charlatan's Waltz. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I'm a sucker for a good waltz, I love music in three four, um, <laughs> and I also liked how that one. That one also had kind of that tangoey almost haughty kind of character to me. Um, mm-hmm. And so I really, I liked that. I think, I think the thing that I liked most about all of these songs is that there were songs that you could dance to. Um, yeah. And it would be like fun to dance to them. Um, so I think I really enjoyed that aspect of them. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean... Again, wedding bands, you gotta be able to dance to the wedding right? band. Right? Exactly. I was like, I would love to have these people come to my wedding and like yeah. play their music. It would be a yeah. fun time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and mm. I know I gave my top three, but I mm. do have to mention I did really like Cafe Con Leche. Oh, that was that a good one. That one was very fun. And I think there was like yeah. a sax. I wrote, I wrote that there was a saxophone solo in the middle. And yeah. I, th- I remember being like, not entirely sure if it was a saxophone, but there's some kind of solo in the middle with some instrument that sounds like a saxophone. And I loved that. Thanks, <laughs> yeah. so, Those are great. Yeah, I definitely really liked a lot of those. Uh, let's see, as far as my particular favorites, uh, really like Ernst St. Tan. That was mm. one of the ones that was the very atmospheric and see, slower. That was really cool. Uh, other ones, a lot of the ones you said, definitely. Uh, Quattro Chichi, that was a really kichi, I mm. guess. Had a really fun beat. Uh, Lizard's Lament, yeah, that was a nice one. Uh, also, I would add on Spiritissimo. That mm. one had a, a little bit of that Latin jazz rock sound, I felt like. That was a really mm. cool element to throw in. It's a really fun album. Yeah. I, um, just because you mentioned Spiritismo again, when I was listening to that song, I was actually um, walking in a cemetery. Um, <laughs> and I, <laughs> I was just taking a walk. Don't worry, I wasn't like robbing yeah. graves or anything. <laughs> I, but I highly recommend mm-hmm. listening to this album if you're able to while strolling through a cemetery, mm-hmm. doing a cemetery walk, because I think it heightened my experience of the album yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think, and I think that really like 
brought out the spooky kind of haunting elements mm-hmm. of the songs. Um, and also because you mentioned, mentioned the Lizard's Lament. When I, the first time I heard that song, I was like, oh, I don't know if it, like it was, it's different, I think, than a lot of the rest of the album. Um, and I didn't love it as much, but then as I listened to it more, I was actually like, okay, like this is growing on me. And in the beginning when you talked about how um, Adrian Rasso has like Southern Gothic kind mm-hmm. of influence, yeah. I thought that was like the perfect way to describe that song because when I was listening to it, I was like, oh, this sounds like straight out of like a Western kind of yeah. movie or like that that kind of like, oh, brother, where art thou kind of yeah. that aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I did kind of, the more I listened to it, the more I was like, okay, yeah, I can get down with this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very nice, you know. Yeah. Yes, I could definitely see it. And yeah, oh brother, we're out. Uh, like, it's just got, I guess, like considering that you know, Call of the Devil's Tale and so many of them are so creepy. It also definitely brings to mind a lot of like New Orleans. I guess like, it feels oh. like something you could hear in New Orleans very easily. Yes. Oh, the, now see now you make me want to go to a New Orleans cemetery and listen to that. That would be <laughs> oh, that perfect. would be that's a whole new level of danger. We do right? not recommend you go to cemetery <laughs> <in> New Orleans. <laughs> I also, oh, I, I, I missed this. I wrote down um, in Lizard's Lament, they use yeah. a siren at one point, like, mm. a, like a police siren or an ambulance siren. Yeah. And I just loved that so much. Yeah. I was like such an artful musical use of a siren. And I'm always oh, yeah. down for the use of a siren. So 10 out of 10, appreciated oh, yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think the only other big one, because like, I don't have a whole lot on this album, I guess. The only other big note I have is like Django. That felt like sort of an interesting one for a closer because it isn't like a big, you know, a big grand finale type closer like Hand of God was uh-huh. or that I'm used to. But I felt it was very good for like sort of an upbeat closing credits type song. Like a, <clears throat> just because I've been playing a lot of Mario lately, because mm. like it feels like, you know, how at the end of like the, a platformer type video game, it'll have like a very jaunty sort of almost comical type of song at the end. And they would like keep on referencing classical music pieces in there. Like I think yeah. they threw in like a, in the Hall of the Mountain King. Yeah, yes. I think I heard for Elise and a couple others. But I was like, yeah, that's cool. So that was really fun. That was a fun closer, I felt like. It's like I, one that like gets you up. Like if you're at a concert, it gets you to dance out of the, dance out your seat. That's your head yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I like that one too. I liked, um, a little kind of choir of voices that they had at some point singing in the background mm-hmm. that they were they're just going like like that kind of thing i like yeah. that um and then i also noticed like they sampled a bunch of other famous songs and i caught yeah. the hall of the mountain king um i don't think i caught for elise so i'll have to listen to that again yeah. i think i heard at one point like that Snake Charmer's melody. I don't know what that song is actually called. I mean, it is that. the da 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 da. Yes, that one. Yeah, I think that's the one I was thinking of with for Elise. I think that was. It. Oh, yeah. oh, maybe. It's wow. not. It's not for Elise, definitely. <laughs> shows, shows how much I know about music. I maybe <laughs> too. <laughs> We're brass yeah. players. We don't have to know what music is. Right. Exactly. Oh, and that was another thing. Um, that I thought was kind of interesting about the whole album is that like the brass was um, definitely like a a big part of the songs Mm -hmm. Um, but it wasn't as front and center um, Mm -hmm. as as I kind of like thought it would be or expected it to be it was a little bit more like subdued and I think there were like a lot of like string instrument sounds like a lot of guitar Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. that was more like front and center, which makes sense now with kind of the history you gave about Adrian and then the um, the fanfare. The fanfare, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was really interesting and different because I really like big, brassy sounds. Like, I re- like when I think of, like, mariachi, like, I love the just brass in your face, you know, um, so it was good for me and fun for me to listen to a song, listen to music that had brass instruments, but had them in a more um, 
kind of a, a little bit more subdued. You know, they were still pretty prevalent and still like pretty brassy, but just a little bit more subdued. Um, it was fun to enjoy that different use of brass. I really like that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It did. That was, yeah, it's definitely much more low key than their solo stuff. Like, if you want to go look up some of their stuff, like Yag Bari or Baro Biao, Gao, maybe. Like, where it's just them, you could definitely hear them go all out, like, full. Mm. Yeah. Very energetic uh, band. I, you, I love them. But yeah. I'll have to check out some of their other stuff because yeah. that sounds really wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a good one if you need to, like, do a, get, your, get your wiggles out. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think um, it was interesting how the first time I listened to the songs, the album, they all sounded, you know, there were those two flavors that I was talking about. Plus, at least I was meant, which is like something else. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but other, but like within those flavors, a lot of the songs I thought sounded very similar. Um, but then, as I listened to it more and more, I was able to kind of like appreciate them for their differences um, and like differentiate between them a little bit more. And it reminded me of how like when I listen to pop music, you know, the music that my parents don't listen to, they're always like, "Oh, it all sounds the same." And I'm like, what? Like, no, it's totally different. All these songs are very different, you know? Um, and I think it's, it's cool how when you are exposed to very different music or a new genre, um, a lot of times you, you haven't, you know, you're just unfamiliar with it, so you don't appreciate all the different nuances and the differences between the songs. Um, and once you listen to it more, you start hearing those things um, and appreciating the music more. And so it's kind of cool to have that experience with, with new genres, and I definitely had that experience with this album, um, mm -hmm. which was which was fun and very enjoyable. Yeah, yeah glad you did enjoy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Any last thoughts, or? Um, let's see, I don't think so. I think we touched on. Um, everything that, that I had kind of written down in my notes when I was listening through. So, yeah. Well, cool. Well, we'll go ahead and close it there. Well, we're out, about out of time for today, folks. The albums that we listened to were The Human Condition by John Bellion and Devil's Tale by Fanfare Chocarlia and Adrian Rosso. I'm Caleb Clark. Oh, and I'm Nate Guy. And thank you for listening to the Billy Shears Club. 